I think, thankfully, this is all based in response to events in America rather than here. Welcome to Political Communications, where we talk about the things that politicians have said and why they have chosen to say them. Today, we're going to be looking at how politicians in the UK responded to the question, is the UK a racist country? We're going to look at how the answer to this question evolved over the course of 48 hours between two politicians, Matt Hancock and Boris Johnson. And the first person to be asked this question was on June the 7th, Matt Hancock, the UK's health secretary, was asked on morning television, do you think the UK is a racist country? I don't, but I do think that there's injustice that needs to be tackled. And I've spent my political life fighting for equality and f for diversity. And I think that, you know, I think we're one of the most tolerant and open societies in the world, but there's always more that can and must be done, uh, especially to empower people so that they can, they can achieve their potential. That's at the, it's at the core of my political beliefs, and I think that it's incredibly important. Okay, so notice in that answer that there were a few things that he did to downplay the prospect that the UK is indeed racist. Uh, number one, of course, first of all, he says he doesn't believe the UK is a racist country. Number two, uh, when he does say that injustice continues to exist, he doesn't refer explicitly to racial injustice. He just says various injustices continue to exist. And number three, he says that the UK is one of the most tolerant and open societies in the world. This is a recurrent theme with the conservative response to this question. Personally, I do think this is a very good response. I think there are ways you can show that you take the issue more seriously and more precisely without having to say the UK is a racist country. Because, I mean, if he answers that question as yes and says the UK is a racist country, uh, it, it opens up some uncomfortable follow-up questions for him about what you know, what he's doing about it, what he's going to do about it, what the government are doing about it, why it's happening on their watch. But I think there are ways you can show that you care more deeply about the issue um, with more specific references in your answer. Parts of that answer are very vague, and I think that's the weakness in the answer and why it didn't receive a very good reception. The question was then escalated to the Prime Minister's office. So on June the 8th, here's what the Prime Minister's office said in response to, do you think the UK is a racist country? The PM doesn't doubt that there continues to be discrimination and racism, but would not agree that this is a racist country. We have made very significant progress on this issue, but there remains more to do. The PM is absolutely committed to contain continuing efforts to stamp out racism and discrimination. So there was one difference there with Matt Hancock's answer. Um, there was a more specific acknowledgement of the continuation of racism itself in the UK. However, uh, he stopped short of saying that the UK as a whole could be considered a racist country. So broadly, a similar answer to Matt Hancock. And this was really just a primer for Boris's personal response, which I believe was given on the evening of June the 8th, by which time it seemed as though the Conservative advisers had got their message together in a more clear and emphatic way. The death of George Floyd took place thousands of miles away in another country, under another jurisdiction. And yet we simply cannot ignore the depth of emotion that has been triggered by that spectacle of a black man losing his life at the hands of the police. 
in this country and around the world, his dying words, I can't breathe, have awakened an anger and a widespread and incontrovertible, undeniable feeling of injustice. A feeling that people from black and minority ethnic groups do face discrimination in education, in employment, in the application of the criminal law. So there's an unmistakable shift in tone between the first response given by Matt Hancock, the second response given by the PM's office, and the final response given by Boris himself. So Boris's real answer is a lot more emphatic in condemning uh, systemic racism. You know, people would say it doesn't go far enough, but it goes a lot further than the original answer, which was very vague and seek to mostly emphasize how the UK isn't a racist country now. Boris does go on to, you know, give the extremely predictable caveat that all politicians give in response to these questions, which is about how tolerant and open the UK is. But the shift in tone is unmistakable, because even though the sort of substance of these answers are not necessarily contradictory, the way in which Boris decides to put emphasis on specific things makes his answer seem a lot more genuine. Some people behind the scenes, advisors or PR people, realised that the initial response misread the tone of the country to a certain degree, didn't misread the tone of everybody, but misread the tone of enough people uh, for it to receive sufficient blowback on media or on social media. And uh, given that the protests are continuing and they've obviously gone far beyond the scope of just what's happening in America with George Floyd and now the protests are mostly really focused on uh, systemic racism in the UK, I believe what happened behind the scenes was some advisors saw uh, the original answer, they saw the reception it got, and they decided to tweak the answer to make Boris sound much more sort of committed to anti-racism, much more serious about this issue. Uh, so what's the lesson that we take away from this? Well, it's a very obvious lesson in that politicians don't always say what they mean. And the fact that, you know, whether or not you know, the fact that the seriousness of racism and the seriousness we give to this issue can sort of change in 48 hours is obviously ridiculous. The UK didn't become a more racist country in 48 hours. Um, it's just a question of politicians who decided that they, <laughs> the, the mood of the country had changed in 48 hours and they changed their answer accordingly. Now, that's without passing judgment necessarily on these politicians. It's something that happens very, very frequently is that a question comes up they don't know how to answer and then behind the scenes people are losing their minds and trying to formulate what the correct response is within the next 24, 48 hours. There are many, many examples of this. It happens practically every day in politics. And uh, this is just a very a case for me that stood out as being very obvious. It's difficult to take politicians' words sincerely when they're so obviously crafted to hit on specific emotions, to manipulate people in a certain way. And I'm not trying to you know, be conspiratorial about this. Uh, it's nothing necessarily malicious or shady. It's just the reality that uh, political communications, a lot of effort goes into tailoring, you know, the exact emotions that, um, you know, people try to evoke with these statements. And it can be difficult sometimes to really understand if politicians are coming from a place of sincerity. Thank you for making it all the way through this podcast. I know it's relatively short, but the idea is uh, just to sort of introduce the concepts, the format, see if it would work. And in future episodes, I hope to take more statements from politicians, statements that were potentially crafted by uh, people behind the scenes, what 
the intentions of these statements are, and well, there's certainly no shortage of this type of content uh, to delve into. So, see you next time.